Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, folks? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to thank you for tuning in to episode number 11 of our show. So in today's episode, we feature Jordan Graham, and Jordan's story is one of the most inspiring stories that I have ever encountered. It's one that I know that will share a light into your life, and hopefully it's one that causes you to think about your own actions and the journey you're on too. Jordan's journey started when he was 421 pounds, and over the last eight years, he has lost over 210 pounds, and that all started with a single car accident. And a lot of times, people look at things like this, someone who loses a tremendous amount of weight, and they think, oh, they had the perfect plan, they had all these things in the line, they thought about what they were going to eat, and they were so meticulous. Jordan's journey, his journey to lose over 200 pounds, started with him walking. The day after his accident, he decided to dedicate himself towards the simple task of taking a walk. He decided to take his dog for a walk for a mile. It took him an hour, but he did it. And so that's the perspective that we talk about in this podcast. We also start off by talking about his most recent fitness success, which is competing in his first transformation bodybuilding competition, where he was able to not only showcase the body that he's been able to build since losing all his weight, but also to portray the transformation that's taken place over the last eight years. We talk about body dysmorphia, not just in the case of going from being a bodybuilder to where he's at now as a regular person, but also how it affected him when he first lost weight. We talk about how to tackle weight loss and some of the tactics that he utilized. We talk about handling gym anxiety. We also talk about changing your addiction to food. And one of the most interesting things I think we discuss here is Jordan's skin removal surgery, which was actually a piece of his transformation after he lost over 210 pounds. So Jordan is such an inspiration. His story is one that I know will inspire you. If you guys want, you can follow him at The Fit Boss. You can find him on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And in fact, if you search Jordan's name on YouTube, you'll find his bodybuilding.com video, which has almost 7 million views right now. It's right next to the searches with Arnold Schwarzenegger's videos and Callum Von Mogers, but Jordan stands alone as an inspiring, insightful look at persistence on a journey, regardless of what your goal is. So you can find Jordan at the Fit Boss. And last but not least, I want to talk about our reviewer of the week, which goes to Julia Dagnan. Julia's comment in review reads, highly recommend this podcast. Not only is it informative and thoughtful, it brings together truly inspiring figures who offer valuable insight, stories, and advice. Thank you for putting this together, Brian. Well, thank you, Julia, for your amazing comment and feedback. I really do appreciate that. Make sure you guys leave your reviews on iTunes and also share the podcast on your Instagram stories when you get a chance when you're tuning in. It gives me a great perspective and helps us know that we're starting something powerful here. And last but not least, you can get my booklet, Proclaim Your Power, at Proclaim Your Power forward slash book. It's completely free. The only thing we have you do is cover the shipping and handling, but it's a step-by-step process that shows you how to not only proclaim your health, build optimism in your life, but also shows you how to make tangible progress towards helping yourself become excellent. And so pick up Proclaim Your Power today. And without further ado, without further delay, here's Jordan Graham. Jordan Graham, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, buddy. How's it going? 
It is going fantastic. I'm pumped to have you here. I'm, I'm glad to do another show with you. And I'm really excited to talk about some of the things that you've been working on recently. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. And so, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so recently you had a bodybuilding competition. So I wanted to start off with talking about what that experience was like for you and how it felt to step on stage. Man, <laughs> uh, the experience was incredible. It was wild. It was definitely something I never thought I would want to do or, you know, put into my mind back then. But getting on stage, like I just, I'll never forget as soon as I was like queued up to go and they put up like the picture of me from when I was 400 pounds and it was huge, like blown up. I just got like the most chills and I was like, whoa, this is like, this is really happening. This is, this is what all this hard work, you know, culminated to for this day. And um, it felt really cool. Like I felt before seeing it before, you know, I, did, I didn't feel ready because I'd never done anything like that. But then once that like picture popped up and kind of the crowd went wild, you were there. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, I just was like, this is it. This is the time. And, I went out there and, you know, I, uh, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Definitely. So being that your journey in fitness has been in so many different levels, what was the motivation for you to do a bodybuilding competition? Because you, you've gone from 420 pounds, I mm -hmm. believe, right? Yeah. Down to 209. Then you gained weight and did a powerlifting competition. Now you've lost weight to do a bodybuilding competition. Like, what was the motivation right now? Was it just like experiencing it? Was there something that kind of triggered it for you? Like, you know, I really want to say that I did that. Or what was that like for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I honestly don't know if I would have done one if it weren't for the transformation category that was the one that I competed in. Mm -hmm. I mean, to just go up and, which I, I get, you know, like I have tons of buddies who do it. We all know you've done it. We like know a lot of people who go up and they're just comparing against other people. That's the sport. Um, mm -hmm. That didn't really interest me, but I actually saw a friend of mine, Possible Pat. He like Instagram lived when he did this transformation competition. And, you know, I followed along while he was getting ready for it and everything, but to actually see when he came out on stage and it was for him, it was like 600 and something pound version of himself in the background. And I was watching it on my phone. I was like, I got chills. I was like, I have to do this because for me, comparing myself to myself is what I'm doing. And in that it's like, you're physically, you see it, it's blown up, it's behind you and it is behind you. So it's like literally and metaphorically, and then you're there in like the most incredible shape that you've ever been in just standing in front of it going like this is me now and mm -hmm. so that was what like put it on my radar and I saw him do it and I was like this is so cool like the fact that this even exists you know and then of course I started watching like going on YouTube and finding other transformation competitions and I saw all kinds of incredible stories that like motivated the hell out of me you'd see you know, people who had lost a limb or people who had overcome anorexia or, you know, terrible diseases and things that doctors said they'll never be in shape or they'll never walk or they'll never do this or they'll never do that. And they were like standing there doing it in front of a picture of them from that point. And I was like, that's so cool. I have to, like, I have to do it. And I did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, 
And while you're going through that, what was the, so you standing in front of the actual picture you said was the best part of the experience, but were there any takeaways from the actual preparation experience? Like, do do you feel like there was any things that like added value to your life that that way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole prep, I started out in kind of a rough spot. So when I started the prep, I was about 280 pounds and I had just done a half marathon at that weight, which is Mm -hmm. wild. It was very difficult. Um, I had a torn pec. So I was like recovering from that and I was pretty heavy. And I also, I carried a lot of body fat. I had a lot of muscle because I was getting stronger, but I had a lot of body fat. And for me, it was a really like a test of will to show myself that a, I don't need to be that heavy to be strong and B I can do things that are really difficult as far as, you know, prepping for a show, the diet and the training, it takes a lot. It's, you have to be laser focused. You have to put a lot of priority on those two things while still having a life, right? While still I was having a business, I have clients, I have all kinds of work, I have family, I have family stuff going on, of course, at that time that made it even more challenging. But I basically was able to kind of show myself that even with all of that, I could still push and get myself into a shape that, you know, as I was going, I just, there, there was a point where I hit like a shape I had been in before, like the best shape that I had ever been in before. And I was like, oh, we're not even close to done. Mm. So that was kind of cool. Cause it was like, okay, I've been here. And this is like, I felt awesome. I was like, I go to golds outside, take my shirt off and I'm, I'm cool, you know? Um, but then I was like, we still have 20 more weeks or I don't remember how many, but we still have some time. And cause it was a long preparation. I started yeah. April and I remember my first workout, I was actually away. My first workout of the prep, I was up in Visalia for, I want to say Mother's Day or Easter, maybe Easter because it's April. And I just was like, all right, I got my plan. I'm doing my cardio. I'm doing my training. I'm eating and I'm, I'm all in. So the, the thing that it showed me was that I can just set my mind to something, whatever it is, and do the work, even if it's really tough and all kinds of other chaos is going on around me that that doesn't matter. Like there, you have a goal, you have the vision, you have a plan of how to get there. Mm. Of course, every plan is kind of a base for change, right? It doesn't always go the way that we see it on paper, the way we see it in our head, but it can still be done. So for me, that was like, I mean, the prep was really hard, but it, the takeaway was like, if I could do that, I could do anything. Mm. There's two questions that come out of that, but one of the things I wanted to touch upon, this is something that we had talked about before this, is when you were standing in front of that picture of yourself, when you see those old pictures of yourself, do you have a hard time like not seeing yourself the same way? Like, does it, are there times where, so like you've, you've been, I would say, I don't want to say skinny, because it's not, but you've been healthy, you've been fit for about five to 10 years. What's the amount of time since you've lost the weight? It's been, I started 10 years ago. So it's, it's been about seven and a half. Yeah. 
And so do you see yourself now and still have a hard time not seeing yourself as a 400 pound man or as the big guy? Because obviously like you're, you're big, like you're naturally big, mm-hmm. but that's a different kind of thing. So like when yeah. you got into this, this shape, like did you have a hard time breaking from that form of like body dysmorphia that so many people get trapped in or have you found ways to do that? What's the experience been like for you? You know, it, it kind of, it goes in waves, I want to say. Like, it kind of ebbs and flows, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like sometimes I still see myself as that guy. Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to think about, like, when I'm dreaming, if I see myself as – and I think there was a long time, even once I had lost the weight, that, like, in my dreams, or I would still see, like, a 420-pound me. Like, mm. it was from the, that perspective or, you know – if I was looking from the outside in, that's what I would see. But I think now I have a better grasp of where I actually am. So mm-hmm. I'm able to recognize that. But there's still kind of like that, you know, you're, you're looking over your shoulder for that 420 pound guy to be there because that was me. And I lived so many years of my life that heavy and, and being the big guy, not in a good way, not, you know, and it was, it's, it was a defense mechanism. If you're that big, I mean, people still mess with you, but <laughs> most of the time they think twice and it's just like a way to protect yourself. And it's like building this facade. And, you know, I know David Goggins talks a lot about this because I've listened to his book and it's like, that's not really you. You've just built up this shell to keep people away to keep Mm. people from hurting you because you're hurting so much inside. And for me at that time, that was the only way I knew how to deal with it. So now it's, you know, I still, I I look in the mirror and I'm happy with what I see. And when I got into that kind of a shape, you know, you can only kind of sustain that peak condition for a couple days or a week. And and it looked crazy. So I took a lot of pictures. I did a photo shoot. I took videos. And, you know, sometimes I catch myself looking back even on then. And now I'm like 20 pounds heavier and feeling fine. Like I still feel healthy and fit and athletic and I can do what I want to do. And, but I look back and I'm like, man, I was, you know, I was shredded. Like that was, that was a different level. That was just like, and I think also for me, because it was such a foreign thing it was so far away from even where like after I lost all the weight I had the excess skin I could kind of see some abs and then I lost you know I got rid of the excess skin and I kind of saw them they were there but it was never like whoa like they're they're hanging out now like this is a thing um so yeah it's definitely just it, it messes with your mind you know and it's hard to accept that like the way I looked on the stage in those pictures and those videos when I was up, like, I can't always look like that. It's not realistic. Hmm. I can look a lot closer to that than I did, you know, definitely at 400 pounds and definitely even when I first started getting ready. But I think it was something, and I talked with you about this before getting into that shape. Like it's going to be interesting how it feels to, not be able to hold on to it. And I think that's mm. probably something that a lot of competitors who get into that extreme of a shape feel. 
you know, because yeah. you can't you can't stay there, even though you want to. <laughs> I would also say too, I think that it's a different mindset too, because it's like you. I think the fascinating thing about you, Jordan, is you're so driven to do more, and I don't know how many people did you know lost that kind of weight, lost almost two people, you know, at least one of yourself. Mm. And then you step in this position where you go into powerlifting, and then you go into a bodybuilding competition. What advice would you give to someone who is maybe at that point where they're trying to lose weight and they're looking at themselves and saying, well, I don't want to do a competition. What advice would, would you give them? Yeah, I would say that's great. Um, that, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing any kind of physique based competition to anyone really mm. as like, I think you should do this. I think if someone is into it and they have their own reasons and they're feeling good about it, then of course, by all means. But I think that it's definitely not necessary. And that goes for even making it like a competition. You know, social media is almost a competition. Everyone's, Oh, look at what this person's doing. They lost more weight than me. They did. Who cares? We have to like run our own race. And for me, that was always the thing. It was like, yeah, I kind of, you know, and I started kind of before social media was really a big thing, but I would see what other people are doing. And I'm like, that's great for them. It didn't make me feel worse about what I was doing. And like in the case of, let's say possible Pat, I saw that and I was like, hell yeah, I want to do that too. But it wasn't like a competition. So I think, mm. I think, you know, we really just have to compete against ourselves by bettering ourselves. It's like, what can I do today to make myself a little bit better than I was yesterday? And some days we're not gonna improve and that's okay. Like that we're people. As long as we still are believing in ourselves and trying to move forward, that's what it's all about. So someone who's just starting to lose weight, I don't think they need to look at the picture of me in, you know, shredded, like dehydrated down in front of my 400 pound self and go, oh, I wanna do that. I mean, they can. But it's more of like, look at what else is happening. Look at, you know, just the way I, I can live. I'm 32 this month, almost. Uh, and the doctors used to tell me I wouldn't make it to 30. And they were totally right. Like, I totally wouldn't have made it. So it's more about that. You know, yeah, looking great, that's cool. But that's fleeting. You know, it's temporary. But what you get out of transforming yourself if someone wants to start is you get a whole new mindset and you get the tools to show yourself that you can do it. So that means if you can do this, you can do any other challenging thing where it's like, Oh, I feel like I'm too far away. Right. Cause a lot of times people say, Oh, I'm, I want to lose weight, but I'm just too heavy, I'm too heavy to start. Like I'm too far gone. That's like, if you were wanting to save money or, you know, say, Oh, but I'm in too much debt. Like what? So you're just going to just completely wipe yourself out and go live in a box? No, you got to just start, you know, you got to do something. You got to start putting something away or spending less or making a little more on that. You got to find out some way that isn't extreme. And for some people, extreme is fine. But I think that for most people, it's like, you just have to start doing stuff. So mm, I mean, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but no, 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 no. I love that analogy. That's awesome. No, that's really Thanks. powerful. I, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but the, one of the things that you brought up was really compelling and it was something I wanted to dive in later on, on the show, but how did you 
cultivate so much patience because to lose 210 is 210, 212, somewhere in that range. Yeah. To lose 210 pounds is a lot of patient work. Mm. And I think that most people compare themselves to the idea that they have to be there already. But when you're looking at losing that much weight, then you have to be patient because you're not going to do it overnight. It's just not going to happen. So, what were some of the things that helped you cultivate patience? What were like some of the actual tactical things that you would either tell yourselves or routines you would build, or just maybe even like daily mantras you would say to yourself that reminded you that you were on a better journey? Yeah. You know, I really just thought about each day, like one day at a time. And I know it kind of sounds cliche, but it really helped me to not look at like the big picture of, I have so much weight to lose. It's so overwhelming. It just like, if you just look at that, it's easy to defeat yourself right off the bat. Like it's just too much. So every day it wasn't about like, okay, I have 200 pounds to lose. It was about, okay, I have to get up and go for my walk and I have to eat better today and make better decisions all day that are going to then get me a little bit closer, just a little bit. Because as you add those days up of getting a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, two and a half years later, I mean, I was like kind of blown away when I got on the scale and I was 209. Not that it was like a surprise because I wasn't doing the work, but it was just like, damn, like every little bit chipping away, it adds up to that. So like the habits that you build of getting up and going for a walk or getting up and going to the gym or getting up and instead of just doing something meaningless, like take a little time for yourself, that played a huge role. So for me, it was like rain or shine, even though we're here in LA, right? The weather's pretty good. I was gonna go take that dog for a walk on the hill that I lived on every day. Even if I didn't feel like it, even if everything hurt, even if I had other stuff to do, if it was raining. I remember one time, because when I started running, I slipped and fell on that damn hill like four times in a row. I broke my phone. I screwed up my knee. You know, I, like, I hit hard because I was still pretty big. But I was like, screw it. I have to keep going. You know, like I set that commitment to myself. It's funny because now that I look back, I'm thinking about it. I fell several times in front of the house of where Kelly lived, my now fiance. I hope, I don't know. I don't think she saw me, Um, but I remember right, she was right on this little corner and I just ate it like four times on one walk. And I was like, really? But I just kept going. So it's about the patience is, is more of a persistence, I think, because like, I was not a patient guy. I wanted everything now, especially with food, especially with you know numbing my feelings. I was irresponsible with money also. And I, I was just, that's a lack of patience, right? You're like, I don't wanna wait. I, I can buy this thing right now, I'm gonna do it. And I think it was more of a, the persistence started to build into patience because I was just not gonna give up. I was like, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And like you said, you cannot lose 200 pounds fast overnight. It doesn't come on overnight and it doesn't go away overnight. So I never really even thought about being patient. I just persisted and that kind of led to it. 
was your goal originally to lose 200 pounds? Like, or was there like, was there an original goal that you set that was like, okay, I need to be here? Or was it all, I'm going to go for a walk with, with my dog? It was, it was really gradual. It was just, I mean, my first goal, and I didn't even know how much I weighed at that time. I actually didn't find out my, the one weight that I have written down was like when I moved, I found like some old medical records and it was 421 pounds because a lot of times if I went to a doctor or something, I would just tell them I weigh whatever and they wouldn't put me on the scale because their scale wouldn't even register me anyway. So they'd be like, oh, patient reports that he weighs 380. Or patient report, and I thought, okay, I'm 380. So I saw that. So I didn't know how much weight I even had to lose. I just knew I don't want to die. So for me, it was like life or death. And at first, when I was that heavy and living in that unhealthy lifestyle and mindset, I didn't care. I was like, if I die, I die. It's probably better. And that is terrible. But that's just where I was. So when I first started, I like, I had no idea I would get to where I got. I had no idea. You know, I just was like, I don't want to be so morbidly obese that I'm going to die early at my own doing because I was going to, if I kept on that path and that would be with, you know, whether it's from obesity related complications or just the way I lived, I was pretty reckless. And I just knew if I don't do something, it will be over. And, you know, I had that turnaround point where I was like, I don't want it to end so soon. I want to be here. So it was, to answer your question, I didn't know that I had to lose 200 pounds and I didn't think about losing 200 pounds. I just thought I have to get better and I have to improve my life and, and make a life. So, and it kind of snowballed and the same thing of, you know, when I first joined a gym, it never occurred to me that like, this would be my place and that I would take it to the level of like, I want to get stronger and do like, I had no clue about any of that. It wasn't even on my radar. Love that. close. That's awesome. And I think that's a perspective that everyone can gain from. There's times where obviously it's like, you know, you, you take it in gradual phases. Like mm-hmm. for, from my perspective, it was about like, okay, I want to feel stronger. I want to I have a better physique. Mine, my, like when I really got into it, it was about not allowing myself to lose ground as an athlete. Cause I was like, I, I decided not to play college football because I was like, Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I come from like a really small town football and like, this is division two. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that's like, that's, that's bullshit. And so I kind of like was like, okay, let's go to the gym and see if we can like maybe do something about this. So we don't lose this. And it was never really about playing football. It was just like, maybe I could do this. Mm-hmm. And then like I had a moment where it's like spurred into something else. I was like, okay, no, I can play college football. I'm going to do this. And then like, I was like, oh, I'll do bodybuilding X, Y, Z. But I think it's so powerful to think of it that way. It's like, I just want to feel X. Like I want to feel more confident. I want to feel more healthy. I want right. to feel stronger. And as long as you're chasing that feeling, you're going to get it. Totally. Like, you're going to get it because it's, it's completely linked to that one thing you're doing. Right. And you might have a side effect of like, you know, becoming an even more incredible athlete or becoming a bodybuilder or become whatever, like that's kind of like a side effect of you going for that feeling. 
And that's what you're really chasing. It's not like you said, you weren't like, okay, I'm going to, I really want to be a bodybuilder. No, you were like, I want to feel better and more confident and get stronger and feel better about myself and feel like I could do what I want to do. And then the path that took you there, you're like, oh, I can get up on stage and, you know, I can crush these dudes. <laughs> so. But what I was saying off of that, I think that's the powerful thing about you. You had that perspective. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, I try to like share with other people, like, and it doesn't matter what the, what the side effect is, cause it's going to be good. It's going to be better. And some people, you know, I know some people who lost a lot of weight who get into running, who never would have like ran and they do like marathons or, or like ultra merit, like crazy stuff that I'm like, damn, I don't think I would ever, I'd never say never, but I don't think I would ever do that. You know, half marathon is plenty, but you just never know, you know, once you start and it's more of, they're just chasing that feeling of improvement and getting better and being healthy you never know where, and for some people, it might lead to getting super strong. For some people, it might lead to getting really good at Zumba, whatever it is, you know, it, it's so cool to see that. Hmm. So your journey started with a car crash, mm-hmm. which was the thing that really spurned that action. Mm-hmm. Were there other things that were happening around then that led you to get in shape? Like, was it something you were thinking about in general? Like, is it something that was on your mind before that? And then that was like the final straw or was that just kind of like you got in this accident and just like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, I had always kind of toyed with the idea of like getting in shape, getting healthier. I've tried like diets and different things when I was heavy, but I never fully committed to them because I was not ready. I was still using that size as a shield and I still was so depressed and unhappy with my life that I didn't really care to preserve it. So when I had that car accident, you know, I talked about this with you before, but I want to mention it again that that night of the accident, probably three hours before I got hit head on, my airbag had just been reconnected by my buddy in his garage. So if he didn't do that, the airbag would not have come out and I don't know that I would have died right there, but it would have been a lot worse than it was because it was a hard hit. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm not like the most spiritual guy, but I do believe that there's a reason that my buddy checked the airbag and fixed it that night before letting me leave. And it came out and it gave me another opportunity to look at my life and go like, shit, that could have been it. That totally could have ended it right there. I'm lucky that it didn't end before that, you know, just living the way I did. I have to do something to turn it around. And so that car accident for me, you know, before that I was just spiraling down. And once that happened, I was like, okay, I have to do something. This is it. And I'll never forget. I mean, I was walking the next day when I was like in a sling and, you know, I separated my shoulder and I broke my wrist. My wrist is still, I don't know if you can see it on here, but there's, you got that little guy. And, uh, (laughs) you know, my steering wheel looked like a taco, but I was like, I have to start. So the next day when I finally woke up, because I was 
destroyed from this accident. And I think it happened at like three in the morning too. So that didn't help. Maybe one in the morning, I got home at four or five, whatever. So I woke up and I went for a walk. It was like the most difficult. I don't think anything else I ever do physically is going to be as hard as that first one Mm. because it literally took me an hour to go a mile, which is super slow. And I was in so much pain, just, you know, you get bruises and burns from the airbag and just having been in a head on collision, like my body was just, and being that heavy, like all compounded. But I just kind of knew that like, this is going to be the peak of difficulty as far as like, my body's not ready, but my mind was so made up that I was just like, fuck it. I have to, (laughs) I have to make it through this. And you know, it got easier to do that mile. But that first time was like, that was where I knew it was like, either, either you do this or that's it, or you're going to die. Like, which is crazy. (laughs) You know, it was, it was do or die. And I like, I don't think that people need to get to that point Mm -hmm. to start for some people you do, which is, you know, that it is what it is. Like, some people you got to knock on the door of death and it doesn't answer. And then you're like, okay, I should get my shit together. But mm. I just hope that some people can, you know, maybe see this or hear this story and, and be like, okay, I, I don't need to go all the way that far before I make that decision to not give up and to, to do something. So mm. I think that's, that's why I like to share kind of the, the, reality of it and how big of a deal it was for me and people say like how did you stay motivated and like for me it was like life or death so how can you not be motivated it's like if you don't do this you're gonna die if you don't do this your life is gonna be right back to where it was where you just hated it and you're gonna feel terrible about yourself that's gonna project onto everyone around you how could i not be motivated how could i not wake up and be like okay i gotta do it you know, there was no, there was no other option for me at that time. And that's what really pushed. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's incredibly powerful. And I think that most people don't have that perspective. And most people, I think that the hard thing is that most people, I think, feel that way, but mm-hmm. there's a level of self-worth and maybe it's negative self-talk or doubt that just perpetuates itself. And that's what ultimately defeats them. Like they'll get momentum and they'll be like, well, I only lost five pounds this week. It's not worth it. And it's so self-defeating. Did you have any moments like that though, that were like just full of doubt or like you're questioning whether it's worth it or have any like internal dialogue that you had to shift while you were going through that journey? Because it's a, it's a year long journey. Or was it like you hit the ground running and you were just like, this is it. And I'm going for it. Like, were there any moments where you had to, like, make an effort to change what you were saying about yourself while you're going through that journey? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I still, it was, because it's easy to just say, like, no, I'm just too far away. And I can't. It's it's easy to default back to that. Mm-hmm. Because you're so used to telling yourself those excuses. Like, oh, I, I'm not meant to ever be healthy. I'm not meant to be fit. I'm not to... I didn't feel that I deserved to be happy. So that in itself encompassed my entire life. 
So I really had to check myself and be like, you know what? You do deserve to be happy. You do deserve to be healthy. You do deserve to be on this earth and to live. But I was constantly in the back of my head being like, no, you don't. You lived for all that time knowing that you don't. Come on. You don't, you don't actually deserve that. You don't, you don't need to do this. And it was a battle every day internally of like, do I let that voice win? Because it won for so many years. Do I just keep letting it win? Like, hell no, I can't. And, but it was tough. You know, it was a tough battle to actually convince myself that I do deserve to live a life that I enjoy and to, to make my life better as opposed to where I, before I was just like, well, I really, I, in my head had convinced myself and this is the self-talk. I just, nobody else told me that this is how it's going to be. I convinced myself that I would be unhealthy, unhappy and die early and alone. Those, I just, that was like, that's how my life is going to go. And when I finally was like, no, fuck that. I cannot like, it's, that's not the truth. It's not the reality, even though I believed it, that perspective shift helped me so much, even though it was still a battle. I was like, no, it, that cannot be right. It cannot be right. It's not what I want. It's not what, you know, my parents would have wanted. It's not what people who love me want. It's, and I have to love myself. And if I love myself, it is not what I want. So I have to go the other way. Were there any specific challenges that you can remember like that were like wow I, I remember that one wall i had to break through that was really difficult and that could be that could be mentally physically or like diet wise too it doesn't have to be yeah. specifically like internally but were there any like specific moments that were challenges that you kind of were uncertain of that when you broke through them you were just like i got it done yeah i mean the first thing that i can think of is getting in the gym because mm. i didn't even I didn't want anyone to see me push myself and I lived on this nice little quiet street up in the Canyon where there was nobody really around, you know, I knew my neighbors and stuff and I would work out doing my walking and then eventually jogging and stuff up there kind of privately. And I remember I was this, the first time I like went into a gym it was cause I was on vacation in Vegas and I just knew that I had to keep my routine going. So I didn't want to go walk around because it was 110 degrees at eight in the morning. So I went into the little gym in the hotel and I went early because I figured nobody's going to be there. I started on the elliptical because treadmill sucks for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, oh, and also I was not used to that. I was like, oh, let's try something new. I never go to the gym. There's an elliptical. So anyways, I remember a bunch of the guys from the group I was with came in and I was still like pretty heavy and I was on the elliptical pouring sweat, like dying. And I was so embarrassed, but they were all like, like, dude, this is great. Like you look so good from the last time we saw you, like this is working. And I was like, Oh wait, you know, like instead of being embarrassed, like I'm here to get better. So yes, thank you. You know? And I, I watched these guys, like they were lifting, they were doing all this stuff that I was like, Whoa, what's that? Like, 50 pound dumbbells man that guy's a beast like i'll never forget i remember seeing a guy pressing 50s and i was like whoa like he has 100 pounds that's so cool i can never do that like in my head and then when i got home i was like you know what i should join the gym 
mm-hmm. because I should go in there and I should get to where I can do that. And so that challenge for me was like, I was afraid to let myself be seen and at the stage I was in. And finally, I, that experience in the hotel in Vegas, it broke me out of that. It was like, no, like, let people see. It's fine. You're getting better. You know, we're, anyone who's in the gym is there to improve themselves. Like why, you know, there might be people judging, but that's just because it's their own problem. Mm. So, and I remember when I first joined the gym, of course they sign you up and they put you through a personal training session to sell you a package and they destroy you. <laughs> destroyed. But the guy who sold me the package, which I bought a year, he had lost a hundred pounds himself and he looked, you know, great and fit and athletic and healthy. And he told me, you know, that all that was cool, but he told me about how his life was and like how he felt and how different it was. And I literally was just like, here's my credit card. What do I need to do? Let's go. And I remember bench pressing the bar, the bar, 45 pounds. It was hard as F. <laughs> okay. I was like, I was like, why is this so hard? I'm like a big dude, but you know, that was, that was where I started. And, um, it really took a lot for me to get out of my own way and be like, no, I have to, I have to start, you know, how can I ever do the 50 pound dumbbells if I never try the 20 pound ones? So that was one of the biggest, um, challenges for me was to like actually be okay with being in front of other people, being in a community where like, yeah, they're going to see me sweat and suffer and fail at shit and just not know what I'm doing, but that's okay. Mm. That's why we're there. Why there's a gym. <laughs> I think that I, I love the most about that story is that most people I think are afraid of what their people, like their friends around them will say. Mm-hmm. And maybe a part of it's that they have negative friends, right? That their friends are also out of shape or whatever, and that holds them back. But I think the opposite end for you, and I think for a lot of people, is that when you surround yourself with people who are already healthy or maybe like do it a little bit, they're going to motivate you or they're going to be caring and push you because if they're, if they're good friends, which mm-hmm. everyone knows what that criteria is, <laughs> yeah. then they're, they're actually going to support you. And I think that that's the powerful thing about you having those people in your life is like that, like immediately shed your anxiety because there was no judgment. Right. Totally. And, and that's when I, you know, it just kind of shook, it shook me and it was like, Hey, like, and I didn't really know those guys to be like, I knew them from like the car world, but like they were cool guys because they saw me in there working and they were like all about it as opposed, you know, when they walked in, I'm like, Oh shit here we go. They're going to see me on the elliptical pouring sweat when I'm not, you know, like stuff that they could do in their sleep, but they were all cool. And then I was like, okay, if I go to a gym where I don't really know anyone, like, and I'm on the elliptical pouring sweat and out of breath, like, so what? It's cool. That's why I'm there. I'm there to get better. And, and that's something I try to like, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, they say I'm afraid of going to the gym because other people are going to judge me because I'm out of shape or I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, that, that should be the least of our concerns because I get it. I was there. Nobody cares, <laughs> you know? It's like, and if someone does care enough, if, if someone sees someone who's out of shape, let's say, or, you know, just starting, having a hard time, 
and they look at that person struggling with an exercise and their judgment is like, ha ha, that guy sucks. Or like, what is going on in their own head? You got to wonder, like, what the hell kind of person is that? And is their opinion relevant at all? Absolutely not. Yeah. They've got their own problems. Because if they were someone rational, they would see someone else, you know, and be like, that's freaking awesome that this person is like taking a stand for themselves and showing up for themselves. I love it. Like I see people, you know, I go to the park and I run, right? Like, and I see people starting out and I'm like, yes, like, I love it. it mm. It's just like, they should feel so empowered and they should feel amazing and not worry that someone else is going to look at them and go, Oh, like you're out of shape. Like, yeah. So what they're trying to get in shape. That's the whole point. That's why they're there. So yeah, that's something that I've been like a big proponent is like to, to encourage other people. Like, and you know, we see it every day in the gym, like where we are and not in every gym, but you know, in most, like just the right people, if we're there for the right reasons, I think you can tell. Yeah. And I think that most people, I mean, you're absolutely right. If someone's there criticizing you for what you're doing, I say, I, most of the time, any kind of judgment about what you're doing in any field is usually just someone feeling insecure about themselves. Mm -hmm. Unless you're doing harm, like unless you are, it's like, I, I always had a quote when I was younger, quote unquote, I'm 25 now, so I can say that. <laughs> uh, but I, I always said, the only time I care what anyone else thinks about me is if everyone thinks I'm an asshole. Like, besides that, it's like, if you have something else to say that's negative about what my intentions are, and I feel that they're pure, I feel mm. like they're in the right space, then who cares? And I think that that's the thing that most people need to identify when they're looking at themselves in the gym, because no one's there to criticize you. And in fact, I would say that most people are afraid of you judging them because oh. they're insecure too. And it's, it's just nature. Like I was so anxious when I went to the gym the first time and I dropped the weight on myself. Like I looked at everyone. I was like, they're so much bigger than I am. And I left the gym that day and I was like, you know what? It'll be okay. I'll show up the next day. And I think okay. that's, the, that's the perspective that you take, especially when you're in a position like that. Like I was never coming from being 400 pounds. So it's like my perspective is, is obviously different than yours. Right. But I think that it's the same tone. I think it's like if you're just starting, just do. Totally. Totally. And keep showing up. You know. Mm. Where so one of the things you talked about, you know, I well, I want to talk about your bodybuilding.com video in a second, yeah. but one of the things you talk about in that video is having to break the cycle of your eating habits. That was the thing that you said, it was like the you're always eating junk food, soda, the things mm -hmm. like that. Um, using food as a comfort was really how you put it. Totally. Were there, were there any habits that were helpful for breaking that or things that you did to mindfully break that? Because I feel like that's one of the pieces that so many people struggle with is the nutrition as the comfort. So did, did you have like any specific things that you did in order to break through that cycle? Or was it just more of like, this is just an all in package? Well, it, it was all in. But I think for me, you know, when I first started, I didn't know 
about calories or macros or any, like I just knew what I was eating was just so unhealthy. Like I knew that, of course, like you don't get to 420 pounds. Even when people unfortunately lie and say, no, I eat really healthy. I'm just this heavy. No, that's scientifically not possible. Or if you're eating healthy food, you're eating way too much either way. So for me, I knew I was eating terribly. That, that was a given. So I knew I had to change that. And I knew that the way I was using food as a drug to just escape from my feelings, that I had to find some other outlet to, to do that. And, you know, I found that I actually can't escape those feelings. I have to feel them. So it was kind of like, a okay, you're giving this up, but you're not replacing it with something else that's going to take those feelings away. You're going to actually go through them. And they're going to suck sometimes because I had a lot of stuff, you know? And so for me, the food portion, I had to change it so drastically. I knew, you know, I can't start my day with a box of cereal and I can't start my day with, I was having like two of those Costco muffins and chocolate milk. They're like, I think they're 700 calories each. And that Mm. was just like, just to start, you know, just to get going and then so much soda and so much junk food. I actually went on my fitness pal and tracked like a day of how I used to eat, just a typical day. And it was mind blowing. It was like 10,000 calories. Protein was actually kind of high. I mean, the car, everything, when it's that many calories, everything's gonna be high. Um, I can only imagine if I was lifting at that time. I mean, I'd probably still be very obese, but I'd probably get pretty strong just with that much. Like Michael Phelps. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have that much surplus energy and there's a lot, you know, I have a buddy who, uh, he eats 10,000 calories a day because he just wants to be strong and maintain a certain level. And that's just how his body works. I was eating 10,000 calories a day and just not doing anything with it. And I was eating terrible quality foods that taste good. So for me, it came to like kind of shifting to enjoying those other foods, the things that I would never, vegetables, what the hell are those? I, you know, all I knew was like the piece of lettuce in my burger that I would usually take out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start eating salads. I'm going to start when I go to a restaurant, instead of ordering like the pasta with a bunch of cheese and a bunch, like I'll order something that's like a fish and vegetables or, and you know, it took those little steps of changing my nutrition and actually starting to enjoy it because then I liked how my body felt and I liked how it made me feel that, okay, I'm like, I'm doing something good for myself as opposed to when I sat and drank a two liter thing of soda. Yeah. It tastes good. But like, I knew it's bad for me. Of course, like you can't not know that at this point Mm. Um, it's out there. You know, we know that sugar, just excess sugar is just not good for us. And it's so easy and so cheap and so, I mean, man, I used to go and spend 20 bucks at the drive-thru and this is when you could get actually like 20 things for 20 bucks and Mm -hmm. I would eat them all. So I'm like, okay, instead of going to the drive-thru, I'll go to Whole Foods and spend 20 bucks and get two things, but it's going to be better. And it felt so much more nourishing. Um, But it really, it boiled down to also getting rid of that like escape with food of escaping my feelings and just, you know, getting those satisfying tastes of junk because they engineer that food to make you want more of it. 
and to make it taste really good and to make it really easy to just keep eating. Mm. I was on it. I was hooked. And yeah, it's, it's very typical, I think. Were there any like things that you had to say to yourself when you were tempted? Like, cause obviously I, I think that you might've talked to this before, but cause you, it's not like you restricted yourself completely, but were there times where you wanted to completely indulge that you didn't, or like, did you have like a tactic or a strategy for that? Whether that was balancing it, tracking it, whatever it was, like, how did you, how did you keep yourself from not like binging or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, one of the things eventually, you know, I didn't eat any red meat. I remember for like a year when I first started because in my head, red meat was burgers and I would eat 10,000 calories of burgers. So it wasn't like I could just have one burger and be okay. So I just cut it out. And when my friend actually introduced me, this was before my fitness pal even existed. As far as I know, he introduced me to some other app, uh, live strong. And he's like, here, you, this is how you can track. I want to take you for the best burger in San Diego. This is how you can track it. And I was terrified. I'm like, dude, no, I've like lost all this weight. I can't eat a burger. Are you crazy? And he showed me how I could actually like set a goal and fit it in there. And I went and had it. And that was the one meal and it was good. And I continued on my path. And I was like, oh, you can actually like, as long as you make adjustments and kind of, you know, concede a little bit on other stuff, you can have a burger and it's okay. You can't have $20 worth of fast food burgers multiple times a day, but you can have one and it's okay. And, you know, so that mindset really helped. And then something that I really think helped me a lot was I realized, you know, this is kind of the patience thing kind of comes back into effect. All of this delicious food that they make to be so damn tasty and so damn good is not going anywhere. So I don't have to have it right now. I can have it later because it's still going to be around. It's still going to be a possibility that I could have it. It just doesn't have to happen right now. So that kept me in line with, okay, like right now is not the right time for this. And that's okay. Eventually I will be able to have it. If it's some, you know, new ice cream place, like they're probably not going to go out of business. People love ice cream. I'll try it later. Mm. And that really helped me to, to kind of, delay that gratification there's some i remember there's one particular place i think i mentioned this to you before i might like it was around for like 100 years it was known for desserts and stuff it was where i used to work right by there and i still have never gone in there because that was the one place where i was like yeah i know it's right here but it'll still be there i'm just not mm -hmm. it's just i just don't need to have it now when i was first start, like and i still haven't gone in there it's not going anywhere you know, we'll have to make that the next date. Yeah. <laughs> Not between you and I. I won't be able to talk Lindsay, about it. Lindsay, you and Kelly. Yes, yes. <laughs> somewhere that, like it. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I think that's a that's a great perspective too. I actually use that with one of my clients. He's like, I'm eating like three protein bars a day, and I'm like, but you know, protein bars aren't usually the most calorie. Um, I guess sensitive is the best right. word. Like some of them can get pretty high up there. And I think he was oh. eating ones that, were, that were like 250 calories or so. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, well, if you're going to eat one, why don't you just wait until you want the second one? Like when you first have that first trigger, be like, okay, that's a sign that, because usually you just eat it because you're bored. Right. Like, 
time when we eat, it's not because we're actually hungry. It's usually right. that like, oh, I'm at work and I don't want to deal with this problem. So I'm going to go and get up from my desk and like distract myself. Totally. So I think that it's understanding the triggers, but I was like, just create that new pattern, a new habit of like, this pops in my head. I think I need a protein bar and I'm going to wait until the second pattern comes in maybe an hour from now. And then I can have it. Right. I think that delaying that gratification, you'll find that you probably don't want the second one either. Right. You know, and you're, you're probably not going to have three if you're doing yeah. it, you know, <laughs> so you're going to be ahead of the game. Hmm. So how did you get linked up with bodybuilding.com? Because your video is, when you search bodybuilding.com, your video is right next to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Callum Von Moger, um, some other fitness uh, influencers and celebrities. And then there's Jordan Graham, the this guy who lost guy. 200 pounds in an, in, after a car crash, which is a pretty huge honor. So I think it's around 7 million right now. Uh, yeah. How did you get linked up with that? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I have a buddy who I've known since I was obese and I've just known him through other friends. And uh, he was actually one of the original, I believe he was like the CFO or he had something to do with the finances of bodybuilding.com when they first started back in Boise, Idaho, like over 20 years ago. Buddies with the CEO, they grew up together. I never obviously thought anything of it when I was obese. You know, I didn't even know he had any affiliation with them. Fast forward to about, 2013, once I had lost all the weight and I was actually getting ready to do the skin removal surgery, this buddy who I had reconnected with, I ran into him at uh, a fish restaurant and I ran into him. He's like, dude, you look amazing. What do you, you know, it was just like night and day. And he's like, I want to put you in touch with my buddy who is the CEO of bodybuilding.com. I'm like, whoa, that sounds awesome. I've like been on their site just trying to learn stuff because I knew nothing. That, that was the resource, especially back then before there was anything else. So he connected us through email and the CEO at the time, Ryan DeLuca actually asked me to come out there to talk to his team, his employees about how their website helped me with my transformation with losing all this weight. And I was so honored. I was like, this is amazing. Yes, absolutely. So I went out there and I was getting ready to do my skin removal surgery. I was trying to raise money for it. And they showed my previous, I had a different transformation video that I had made. They showed it to the entire staff and they had me up there to talk about how their site helped me and how, and so I did that. And then afterwards, you know, Ryan came on the stage and he was like, you know, I know you're trying to raise money for the excess skin surgery, but you couldn't raise it all. So, and someone else pops out with a giant check like, and they're like, we have the rest of the money for you. We're, you know, it's an honor for, and I was just like, I was blown away. Kelly was in the crowd, just bawling, crying her eyes out with, with all the other like people who were at our table were all crying. I was crying. Um, so they helped me with that. And it was incredible. I mean, I'm like forever grateful for that moment. And I kind of became part of the, the family. You know, I went on a tour of the headquarters. I got to sign the wall and this was in 2013. So fast forward to, I believe it was 2016, I get a call while I'm at Gold's and I answered it because it was a Boise area code. I'm like, oh, might as well. I'm in between sets. And it's a producer from bodybuilding.com who says, we want to bring you out here and shoot a video about your transformation. Like since 
the surgery and just everything and make it really in depth. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, well, how long do I have? Cause I want to look good, you know? And uh, he goes, we can bring you in at the end of the month. All right, let's go. So I went up there with Kelly. We filmed this video. It was like two days of intense, two days of me crying, basically. <laughs> answering like some of the hardest questions, things I had never even thought about. And then, you know, many months went by, they did their thing, they edited it and they put it out and it kind of blew up and it got a lot of traction. I ran into people who had seen it, you know, all over the place and it was pretty cool. I mean, they did a really good job documenting a lot of what I went through, you know, talking about losing my mom, talking about being depressed and, and not caring about my life how I got out of it. They didn't actually include any of the things about the skin surgery, which mm -hmm. I thought was interesting. Cause then a lot of people who see like the little thumbnails, they're like, Oh, it's fake. You, you know, what happened to his skin? But that's out there. You know, anyone who <laughs> has the, anyone who has the internet can put in, you know, Jordan Graham's skin and you'll find stuff. I put it out there. I don't have anything to hide, but yeah, it just became an incredible platform. I mean, the fact that I was able to reach, millions of people like millions of people saw that like if even like a small percentage of those people got something out of it and did something about it to me that's like such a huge impact mm -hmm. you know because it can also impact other people in their lives and and i'm pretty sure there is a percentage of those million people who did get something out of it so i'm like so proud of that i think it's so cool that you know mm -hmm. the power of the internet like I never would have imagined when I started walking Blackberry on the street, you know, that, that 7 million people would see her face and know <laughs> that she helped, you know, was a, was a part of this. And yeah, it's just been, it's been incredible like to have that kind of a reach because for me, that's the coolest thing is how many lives can we touch and, and make better. And that, I mean, I can't put a number on it, but I think it's really cool to, to see that kind of, uh, you know, the butterfly effect. Like if you affect one person that can affect so many other people in their sphere and how many different spheres can we get to on our sphere? That leads to one of the questions I was wondering about that is what is the coolest engagement or experience you've had from someone who has either followed you or seen that video? Like, has there been any, like, in particular experiences or exchanges that you've been like, wow, like, I'm, I'm just so blown away? I mean, I, honestly, I have had so many, which is so cool. Like, I get messages all the time, you know, daily, really, from people who are like, I watched your video and it gave me hope. I was in the same place. I was hopeless. I, and for me, like, that's so cool. I really, it means so much to me that they're a getting something out of it, but also that they're reaching out to like, let me know that, you know, being up there crying, being vulnerable, it's like really being raw and telling it how it is, is appreciated and it, it helps other people. So I get, you know, and I've had people who see me in the gym and, they are like, man, I saw your video. Like I, I knew I recognized you from that. And 
you know, it's, I've had even like IFBB pros who were exposed to that video and like then saw me at Gold's and come up and like, man, like shake, I need to shake your hand. Like this is, and you know, it's, but just the reach and to have people who tell me that they had no hope or they were in just such a deep, dark place that I know what it's like. Like I've been there and that that video helped them get out of it. It's like priceless. I love that. One, so I'm torn between questions, but I'm going to go into this one. Um, if you could give yourself, or let's say, I, I don't like the question, like if you could give yourself one piece of advice from back in that position, because usually it's like just start and it's like cliche and it's not like actually talking about what we're going through. Right. So if you could go though, and let's say you could give yourself or someone who's in that position where they're just starting one piece of practical advice, whether that's nutrition, fitness, or like just overall development wise, what piece of advice would you have given yourself through that experience to make it easier? Well, honestly, it would be different what I would tell myself and what I would tell anyone else, because I feel that for myself, my journey, my like it had to go this way. Mm. everything that has happened has had to happen. You know, all the, all the trials and tribulations, all the victories, they had to all amount to what they did. But I would tell someone who needs to start that really consistency is the number one thing. And it's, I know it's cliche, just start consistency, all that stuff. But that's what got me to where I am because that's what through you know, so I could go on for another hour about like all the shit that I've been through since starting this, but we all have shit that we go through and it's about being consistent and really just keeping chasing that feeling that you're going after the feeling of being healthy, the feeling of building a life that you are proud of. That's the part that you have to be consistent about the, all all the other stuff is going to happen. All kinds of stuff, ups and downs and, you know how many damn personal training jobs I was declined from. And then, you know, now I'm like, Oh, good. <laughs> so, you know, like I remember I was looking back at something the other day when I first uh, got in touch with the people from the biggest loser resort and my buddy just put me on the FaceTime like that night. He's like, talk to the group. You lost all this weight. Just, just, and I'm like, what? And uh, you know, I was like, this is the start of some big stuff. And I remember I have I, on Facebook, people were like hating on me. I'm like, okay, you know, just, just be consistent. Like people are going to hate, people are going to say their own piece or whatever. You're going to try to talk yourself out of it all the time, but you have to just be consistent. I love that. Don't worry. That wasn't cliche. (laughs) Um, One of the things I want to touch upon before we dive into kind of like more of a lightning round is talking about skin removal. Um, I think that that's a perspective that a lot of people are first off really ashamed of. Like I'm, I'm always baffled when someone starts to lose weight and they're like, Oh, well, I hate that. Like my body looks this way. It's like, but you're, you're so much better than just your body. Like you're not just like, you're not just tissue. Like you are a person. And I think that's so powerful to see. And then looking at it as like, almost like it's something like to be, 
ashamed of to think of having that kind of surgery. But what, what was the perspective for you? Like what spurned wanting to have that or, or what were some of the processes and, and what was your overall takeaway from that experience? You know, I, I appreciate this question because this is something that I get a lot also and I try to get out there. I knew once I started losing the weight that there were parts of me that like were sagging like pretty bad. They were really big before. There was no way to tighten that back up. There was no exercise. There was no diet. There was no, you know, I tried to put on some muscle, but then I think as I started doing it and like bulking back up, I was like, wait, I can't bulk up enough. You know, I can't bulk up 200 pounds to fill this back out. Like what, this is crazy. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, it's part of the process. And I always tell people, think about the alternative. Either, you know, you can have loose skin from losing the weight or you can just have that body fat taking up the space in there that will kill you. The loose skin is not going to kill you. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. You know, I was actually pretty good at hiding it. Like nobody knew that I had it until I told them or, you know, if I took my shirt off, but I didn't really. Um, but, you know, it's just a cosmetic, it's just your skin. Now, if you have the body fat in the skin that you would need to keep there to prevent loose skin, that's a health hazard. That is unhealthy. It puts stress on your organs. It puts, you know, there's all kinds of hormonal implications, metabolic adaptations that are bad. The skin doesn't have any of that. So I always say, and this is where I was, is like, I'd rather have loose skin than be obese. I'd rather have as much whatever, however much skin it is, is better than having all that body fat in the skin. With that being said, for me, it was uncomfortable. I remember I had to like, I would demonstrate a burpee. Let's say I was a personal trainer. I was working in a little studio and I knew how to time the music with the sound of my skin flapping up and down if I showed someone a burpee. You get, you get creative, you get good at it. But in, you know, I knew it, you're conscious of it. So for me, it eventually became a thing where it's like, okay, I do want to get rid of this. And there are people who can help me. And it was actually really hard for me because I did all of this work by myself, on myself, to give the reins over to a doctor and be like, okay, doc, do what you do you know, fix, fix this situation that I'm in, but I would much rather still have the skin hanging off, timing my sounds at the burpee, let it flap, whatever it is, than to be that overweight. I mean, being that obese will kill you. Having ex excess skin might kill your ego a little bit, a little bit, but also it's like, it's a, when I had it too, I was like, this is a, this is a battle scar. Like I fought against obesity and I won. Here's the proof. You could see it. It's right there. It's, and it, mine was pretty bad. You know, <laughs> I went to the doctor to take some new pictures and he showed me, he put me in all these positions that like make it look really bad that I would never put myself in or show people. But he does that to showcase like, this is where it was. Mm. When I look at it, you know, I looked at all these old pictures from right before my surgery. and I was like, man, even though it looks bad, look at that. That's, it's incredible. That used to all be fat and, and that was all killing me. And now it's just some skin. Mm. So, 
you know, the surgery for me, it was a big deal. And it, you know, it, the recovery was crazy. Like it was just, it was very pivotal because I think it let me see a little bit more of what I was working with and what was going on on my body that wasn't, you know, hindered by loose skin. And it gave me the confidence to push to the next level. Now I see there are people who do like competitions and stuff without doing surgery. And it's, I feel that that's super impressive. Like you could tell they had loose skin because they beat obesity and then they're shredded with the loose skin, but they're shredded. If you're, you know, but the most important thing is you're healthy. If you have loose skin, you are healthier than you were before it was loose. If that makes sense. Are you, so are, would you say you're grateful though that you had the surgery? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, uh, what do you feel like is the, is the biggest takeaway from, is it just more of like being able to have the confidence in yourself to back? It's like almost like the next level of your life. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, being so young is you're like 32. 32 this month. I'm 31 okay. right now, but <laughs> okay. So, well, even at that, let's say even if you were 40 or 45, right. like you'd still have another 40 years of your life, right? Like, and so it's like, all right, would you would you say that that was the perspective? It's like oh, I just want to be able to live the rest of my life without even having to think about it. Yeah, and you know, it was. I mean, it's a constant, and of course, like you can never forget where you came from, right? Like. I never will forget that I weighed that much and that I had that body and that I had that mindset and that life. But when you have that kind of excess skin, you see yourself in the mirror and you are looking at a reflection of that every time. Now I have the scars, so I still see it. It's still there. I mean, the scars don't, from my case, they don't go away. And I think for most people, you know, you still will see them. But I'm so grateful that I did that because then it allowed me to feel so much more comfortable with my body and to push myself into new, new heights, you know, like after I, 10 months after I did the surgery, I competed in powerlifting, which was crazy because I had to start mm -hmm. over. And, you know, I remember my doctor was like, don't go too heavy. Like, I don't want you to like bust anything open. And I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> good. I made sure I was healed up first, you know, before I went heavy, but it just let me, you know, it helped me to push to new levels where, you know, there were actually certain lifts that like, I wasn't really good at deadlifting because my stomach skin would get in the way. And I didn't realize, like it made my position weird. So when it was gone, I was like, oh, or, you know, I can deadlift and not worry about my chest sagging down. I remember the first time I deadlifted in a tank top because otherwise I was, I was wearing compression. <laughs> So it just, it definitely did change a lot for me, but that's, you know, my experience. I see people who are powerlifting, doing CrossFit, competing, living their life with the excess skin. The excess skin is never going to stop you from living your life. The obesity absolutely can. Love that. That's a great line. I think that's a powerful perspective too, because you're also looking at it as like, you can live, you can live the life that you want with the other one. Mm -hmm. Um, the other one's going to be incredibly limiting. And so the more that that's the perspective of all you're gaming, I think that you just, you can't lose. 
So exactly. I, I, I really appreciate that. And I, I wanted to, like I said, I want to dive into that because I think that's like, for whatever reason, it's taboo and it shouldn't be. It right. shouldn't be something. I and mean, it's like, and now that's not to say that you have to have the, the surgery either. Like right. if you can't afford it or you don't want to go through the process or it's painful or whatever, it's like, that's not for you, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that if you choose to think about it, it's, it's fine. Right. It's, it's, your, it's your comfort and you do what you want. Right. And it's, you know, I, I get frustrated and I don't get frustrated too. I'm pretty even killed, but I get frustrated when people tell me I'm afraid to lose the weight that I have to lose because I'm afraid of the excess skin. Mm. And I'm like, are you not more afraid of carrying that weight and like your health implications? Cause that's much scarier than some skin. Mm. And to me, it like, it blows my mind. And honestly, and I wrote a post about this. I don't mean this in a negative way, but I think most of the people who say that are scared of the work that they have to do to lose the weight that would then leave them with the excess skin. They're not scared of the skin because the skin is whatever. I mean, it's just there. Being that heavy is scary, but it is hard work to lose the weight that would leave someone with excess skin. So I think a lot of times people just kind of, you know, we talk ourselves out of it like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to lose weight because I don't want to have that, that gross skin. Well, would you rather have that obese body that is potentially shortening your life? I mean, I, I decided against that. And a lot of people are now deciding against that. They're deciding that if it's skin, if it's scars, if it's whatever, they'd rather have those than feel trapped and live in an obese body because now we have the power, you know, and I'm like, it's not easy. I know that. And I know it's not just as simple as saying like, well, you just got to move more and eat less because that's bullshit too. Yeah. You have to do that, but that's not it. Um, it, it just does kind of bother me when people say they're afraid of that. And I always kind of question them to dig a little deeper and say like, what are you really afraid of? Cause it's probably not that you're afraid of having excess skin probably that you're afraid that you are going to have to change your whole mindset, your whole way of thinking and your whole life to beat obesity. And then the side effect is you will have excess skin and that's okay. Excess skin is cosmetic. Yeah. It's like having extra hair, <laughs> you know, right? it's like, um, I, I wanna, yeah, I wanted to say this though. I think the powerful thing is, looking at it from a perspective of patience. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so let's say that on the long tail, let's say that you have to lose 200 pounds. Let's right. say it takes you three years to lose 200 pounds, yeah. all right? It's fantastic. Okay, then you spend another two years building maybe muscle or getting healthier or getting adapt to that. And, and then maybe the next leg of your journey is getting rid of the skin or, mm-hmm. or maybe it's not and you're fine and like right. you find something else that you like i think that the, that's where patience and like the perspective of like how much you're improving your life matters totally because if you're making that decision to improve your life then there's nothing else that matters and i think a lot of it comes down to insecurity and a fear of love so most people are afraid that they're going to either not have confidence or that people aren't going to love them because they look this way and it's like 
if that's what someone's looking at and judging you on, then I don't think you want their love in your life. Better off without it. Yeah. And I think that when you go through that change, it, it solidifies that for you. And you see yourself as more valuable, not just for someone else, but you're like, I don't need to take someone else's bullshit if that's the way they're going to look at me because this is who I am. Totally. Totally. And you've made, I mean, at that point, you've made a stand for yourself. Mm. And that's what really, that's what it boils down to. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks. So this is absolutely incredible. We can talk for hours. We're just going to have to do like, oh, like a, every couple months while they just have you on the yeah, podcast. I'm down. Um, but I wanted to define a couple things and just kind of get your perspective on a couple more Jordan-esque things before we, we depart. Okay. One of the questions I, I want to know is between bodybuilding, some of your, let's say, running exercises mm-hmm. and some of the things you've done and between powerlifting, which experience have you enjoyed the most? And what about that experience was the most fulfilling? Man, you know, this is, I really have enjoyed all three of the, like between powerlifting, bodybuilding and running. And I think I've enjoyed all three because they're all super challenging mm-hmm. and they're all things where I sucked in the beginning, <laughs> like just, just sucked at it. And not that I, became incredible but i got better so you know running like i hated it and i was not good at it and i got better and i got to where i could actually run 13 miles without stopping which to me was like whoa that's pretty impressive like i never thought i could do that powerlifting i sucked i started with the bar i mean not that i became the strongest guy in the world but I put up some decent numbers and I did what I wanted to do as far as like squatting my old body weight. And I, I conquered that. So that was, you know, each, each phase has been so fun. Bodybuilding was so far outside of my comfort zone to like train and eat in that way and like do, you know, shave my legs and get a spray tan. Like that was, I was like, this is so weird. But when I did it, I was like, damn, it looks pretty good. Um, you know, so they were all fun in their own way. I, I, I got to say, I love all three. Mm. I I love it all. I love it. What is your definition of success? I think success is just knowing that you did everything you could and, and being able to be proud of your effort and result. Mm. So not just one or the other, but being proud of your effort and the result, whatever it is. What is your greatest strength and your kryptonite? Ooh. <laughs> um, my greatest strength, I think it's that I really care. You know, I care about people. I care about people, like just, I care a lot. I'm very sensitive. I'm, I'm, and that actually might be my biggest weakness too. Mm. I think sometimes it bites me in the ass and I care a little too much about some people, some things, some concepts or situations. I think it's a real, it's a double-edged sword, but I think to me, the biggest thing that stands out is that I really do care a lot. I, and I care hard, like, (laughs) you know, it's not, I can't just half-ass that. 
And I think people get that. Absolutely. Well, that's why we're friends. Right? <laughs> One of my favorite questions is an introspective question. And it's what advice would you give yourself 20 years from now? 20 years from now. Ooh. I would say to, to be more present and to really think about, and that's something that I've been trying to hone in on because I do know that maybe it's a re result of how I lived or how I've been or how I was brought up or how much I care. I have a tendency to think too far ahead, think too far back. And I think when you do both of those things, you lose the present. You can't be in all three at once. So I think being present is something that I'm working on. And I think 20 years from now, that's still going to be something that I will need to remind myself to be present and to, to you know, take everything in and feel it. Mm. And what projects are you working on and where can people find you? What are some of like your social media tags? Yeah, um, I'm at the Fit Boss on pretty much everything. So Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all of all of that good stuff. And I'm working on. I need to write my book, so I've been putting some things into action as far as like getting that off the ground. That's like mm -hmm. something that I really do want to put out there, and I have no idea yet how it's going to shape up. But I know I have a story. I need to write it out. I need to get it out. I need other people can benefit from it. And, you know, I think that's the biggest project, but I'm also doing a lot of coaching. So nutrition clients, I am doing some kind of hybrid of online and in-person training as well. So I find that that's fulfilling and it's fun and kind of get the best of all worlds that way. And getting out and speaking to more people, I'm doing a, presentation actually two presentations on each day of the coming uh, la fit expo mm. and it's just a nice opportunity for me to get out there and kind of share some tips and tricks and knowledge and wisdom and get questions from people and learn and for me that's that's super cool so something i want to get more into is just getting out there and aside from the internet which is a huge reach huge impact but like going to a place where there are people and talking to them. That's what I want to be working on. Love that. Love that. Thank you. And so the last question is what is your one rule for life? Don't give up. Don't give up never. And, and this is coming from someone who had given up. So I think that's pretty meaningful. Just, just don't do it. Well, that is the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for being here, Jordan. It's always a pleasure. I always appreciate the perspective. And I just, I'm really excited to see how people get this information and internalize it because I think it will truly help them. So thank you okay. so much. I'm really excited to have this out there. And you're the man, Brian. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, sir. Later, buddy.
Thank you for tuning in today to my journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram story so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwitz.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.